0: Everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. Uh Paige, have you been dreaming about something? I'm dreaming of a
1: right <laughs> Christmas. It's white Christmas part, duh! Time to talk about Nazis, fool.
0: Yeah, welcome. We're finally covering the Nazis. Uh, much to my own. Dismay. I mean, I was <laughs> I was the one who told you I wanted to do it, and then as soon you as did. as soon as you were like, "Yeah, let's go for it," I was like, oh "I don't want to do oh, that." God damn it! Why did I? Yeah. Why?
1: I thought about asking you. I was I was gonna be like, "Are you sure?" And then I was like, "Nah."
0: <laughs> no, it's cool. This episode is uh, is actually pretty fun, and we look at sort of the uh, philosophical beginnings of Nazism and and where it comes from. I had a blast. Uh, I wanted to say these here because I realized I didn't do it in the episode. Uh, but the sources for this episode are an attempt at critiquing all of Revelation as translated by Garrett Green, the beginner's guide to Kant's metaphysics by the YouTube channel Philosophy Tube, the new international encyclopedia entry on Johann Feichte, and a lot of help from our guest research assistant, Mackenzie. Thank
1: you, Mackenzie. Thank
0: you so much for answering my DM. I got a bunch of them. Thank you to everyone who reached out. Uh, Mackenzie was a very valuable uh, addition to the team while I was writing this episode. So thank you. Um, And I think without any further ado, Paige, let's hop into this white Christmas. Hello. Hello.
1: Hello. Oh, no. It's Nazis. (laughs) Don't drink the cool These, These are, are our opinions. opinions. Thank you for tuning into Pod. <laughs> brain is fried.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's all good. That's great. Thank you for tuning into Podcast. <laughs>
1: yeah, one of many. Uh, thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Podcast Torres. And with us, we have podcast podcast yeah. yeah yeah i've been thinking of starting a podcast
0: <laughs> oh i would love to start a podcast with you for education for education so <laughs> <laughs> yeah have we talked about that on air
1: i think we talked about it on a different show mm-hmm. but not on this show yeah i think we talked about it on the funhouse podcast i think we did yeah
0: yeah uh, Paige and i were watching what is that 16 and pregnant
1: It was like 16 and pregnant or teen mom. It might've been teen mom because I I think they already had the babies. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, Yeah. And a character, their whole arc was that they were planning on starting a podcast. Starting
1: a podcast. Yeah. And
0: so every scene with them in it was just them going to different people in their life and being like, I've been thinking about starting a (laughs) podcast.
1: (laughs) And then they finally got to their dad and their dad was like, I would love to start a podcast. Pregnant pause for education um so it's just, Armando and I say it to each other all the time now and that was like a year plus ago
0: yeah it's just good to see yourself represented on tv you know <laughs> people don't give podcasts the real podcast life yeah I'm out here <laughs> st- <laughs> fucking stunting my brain by filling it with dumbass uh fucking I almost forgot what it's called philosophy oh god <laughs> Is this another
1: episode where philosophy is stupid and it's just a guy saying he thought something and why should
0: everyone believe it? That's all philosophy ever. It's all that. I know.
1: I know. That's why I I dislike it. And and sometimes people are like, I'm really into philosophy. And I'm like, why? It's just shit a guy said.
0: Yeah. Oh, God. I had a really great conversation with somebody because, and we'll get into uh, what we're doing here in a second, but... uh, (laughs) I had a conversation with somebody where I was trying to explain that a philosopher I was looking into was a huge dickhead. And it seems like a lot of them are huge dickheads. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she goes, yeah, well, okay. But if you had to just sit around and think about the world, you'd probably turn into a dickhead too.
1: <laughs> here's, here's counterpoint. No one has to do that. No. <laughs> it's a choice
0: it definitely is uh you could
1: content yourself with trying different kinds of cheeses and making breads and hanging around your house not podcasting but you know what sometimes the urge just overtakes people hey Paige. yeah
0: i've been thinking about starting a philosophy
1: you know what i would love to start a philosophy <laughs> about bread there um, we go. there
0: we go all right everybody hey what's up you know why you're here it's fucking White Christmas again, baby. Part duh. Because we Hell did yeah. do an
1: original White Christmas where we covered the clan in December. <laughs> super, yep. super great. We're bringing it back. It is White Christmas again, but this time. It's more like a Reich Christmas.
0: Ooh, I love that. I mean, I yes. hated it. I hated it. And it was a tragedy, and we should all <laughs> feel bad. But I love it.
1: I just, is this the episode where we get into hardcore occult beliefs, or is that later
0: that is later but yes 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 i could not in the same week force myself to learn philosophy and the occult i think i would break my brain
1: that makes sense madam blavatsky is is a tough pill to swallow and probably best done on its own for sure
0: (laughs) absolutely uh but we are here the boy is back i almost called myself the white supremacy master but that sounds real bad (laughs) i think it's grand wizard okay hold on Hold on! I was technically just a recruit. Anyway, I uh... <laughs> you're a grand wizard, Harry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's been so long. It's been months since I've written an episode of this show, and uh, I forgot what it does to you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How it fries your brain a little bit. Oh. It is fun though, because last last week was the last time the. I had not written an episode of the show in like a month and a half when Mm -hmm. we did the last one. And as I was writing it, I was like, damn, I forgot how fun it is to highlight the funny names that I know Armando is going to laugh at.
0: (laughs) Yep. You know me. You know me very well. Uh, So today we are starting a multi-part series on the nazis
1: woo i mean not woo yeah but you know Yep.
0: no i get you you know what i mean we have uh sort of covered the nazis here and there through various different uh episodes that we've had to because they have such a huge impact on both cults but also on white supremacy in general which is something that we've focused on quite a bit um so we we've kind of covered uh world war one the effects that it had the rise of the nazis uh etc in episodes like when we did antifa uh so i am going to sort of yada yada over some stuff we've already covered at length uh and try to find the more interesting parts that we haven't talked about uh so far and uh in this episode in the very first episode i want to ask a very strange question Ooh where do nazis come from and i don't mean geographically because Mm -hmm. we now know that it's a toss-up between germany and the rural midwest it's either or
1: (laughs) either or um i have always been told that when a mommy and daddy love each other very very (laughs) much a giant war eagle shows up and deposits a nazi into your house (laughs)
0: Um, is that not true? No, that is true. And you can find more about it in the movie Nazi Baby Boss.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby Fuhrer. Baby Fuhrer? Uh, I think it'd be
0: Fuhrerkind. Oh, ooh, that's good. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't mean geographically, I mean philosophically, where do they come from? And that is kind of a complicated question. And depending on who you ask, you might get several different answers. Some Mm. people think that it all stems from misplaced anger over the loss of World War I. Others say that it comes from the warped teachings of the occult. And some people want to chalk it up to the world's worst case of daddy issues. Here's the thing. All of those are correct.
1: It's like a big soup of bad. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Got
0: it. The Nazis were like evil lightning in an evil bottle. And I'm not sure what an evil bottle is, but I have to be certain that it at (laughs) one point contained Jägermeister.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's interesting that the pools that you're pulling from, the like daddy issues pool, the Mm -hmm. misplaced belief in the occult or Mm -hmm. warped occult practices. And just kind of a sense of superiority is the same thing that can birth your average crunchy karen in the world which i think <laughs> yeah. is like you could either be the girl that's annoying in line at starbucks or a nazi <laughs> like it's the <laughs> same soup that's so strange to me but i believe you
0: i mean yeah i've i've been on the internet i've seen people like that be called literal hitler so i think you're on to something yep yep oh for the nazis to become what they did several things had to go wrong in a very particular way and uh when i talk to people about the nazis i learn two things first people don't like talking to me that's the first just right (laughs) off the bat well
1: when you lead with nazi they're just like oh no (laughs) (laughs) am i poland in this conversation (laughs) what's gonna happen
0: Second, a lot of people have this idea that all of the Nazis' ideas come from one incredibly evil mustachioed man. but the Mario, tr- got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and his evil brother, Luigi Goebbels.
1: <laughs> Luigi Goebbels. I think it's Goebbels. Goebbels. I think this is going to be another Americans can't pronounce German words series.
0: Oh, don't even get me fucking started on German names page. I have headed up to fucking here with Germany's naming (laughs) practices. I don't even want to get into it yet. Uh, But the truth is that the path to Nazis is paved with dumbass ideas and horrible facial hair. Mm. It didn't start with Adolf Hitler. Hitler is, objectively, the group's most famous figure, but the ideas that he screamed into microphones didn't just pop into his head one day. They were the mutated evolution of ideas that predate the head honcho himself. So that's why it's important to ask ourselves, where do Nazis come from? Our story begins with a man named Johann Feichte, Now, buckle up, because this is old-ass Germany, and every other person is named (laughs) Johan, which, like, okay, it kind of makes sense because it's their version of John, but holy shit. Every fucking time that we dive into Germany, I am bombarded by an endless tsunami of Johans. And this is the worst case yet. For example, Johann Feichte has seven siblings, and five of them are also named Johann.
1: Wait, wait, in the same family? Is this like a like a George Foreman scenario?
0: <laughs> yeah. This is exactly a George Foreman situation. Same family. They're all named Johan Feichte. They have different middle names, sure. Oh,
1: good Lord. But still, (sighs) I mean... This is just reminding me of there's an SNL sketch where John Mulaney is playing Hans from Sound of Music and he's secretly much older than he's <laughs> purporting to be. And at one point he's singing about his roommates and he's like Fritz and Johan and for other guys name Hans. And this is kind of <laughs> what that sounds like.
0: This is exactly it. So five out of seven are named Johan, and the other two are his sisters, and one of them is named Johanna. Go I was going to ask. Yourself. I was going to ask when you were
1: like, they're sisters. I was like, Johanna, right? Yeah. yeah. Why'd they name the one not Johan?
0: I, I, I think they gave uh, Did the Did they older... hate her? No. No. <laughs> also, okay. For, I, they named the one- the only one that didn't get George Foreman was- uh, <laughs>
1: named georgina yeah real weird coincidence
0: no. yeah the only one who didn't hit the lean mean naming machine uh was <laughs> was a girl his younger sister named maria which i think is the middle name of their mother also okay. just for reference their father's name is not johan his their Wait, father's what? name is Why? christian Why? Wait, what the fuck? Okay, did they just really like the name
1: Johan? Like, what's happening here? I,
0: okay. I didn't, I promised myself that I had to cut this story out because it was too nope, long. No, keep it in. But keep I it absolutely, in. okay. So, Johan's dad is a man named Christian Day And Christian Day is kind of a fucking badass. Uh, Christian Day was born as a, a slave under feudalism. He was a serf. Oh, wow. Uh, but within his lifetime, he had been emancipated. And then he was able to start up uh, a ribbon weaving business. I don't fully know what that means. I think he like made clothes and shit, but. So here's a weird thing. I do know what this means. Only because I have a weird
1: fascination with Scandinavian ribbon. Don't ask. (laughs) I have weird hobbies. It's not important. Um, Okay. So. At, you can actually buy really really nice Scandinavian style ribbon and it is woven and they've like they like weave patterns into it and it's not very expensive for how much work i assume goes into it uh but my husband and i cuz my husband is is Scandinavian that's why he's a giant viking and <laughs> uh so the place where we got married is right next to like a little Scandinavian village and they sell ribbon it's like one of the only places i can get it in california like in person but then we also found some in minneapolis and we're probably going to buy some when we're in germany next year so yeah that's like a real thing that that still exists today super <sighs> strange yeah anyway cut back in i no, guess
0: <laughs> thank you i spent two hours of my life trying to figure out what ribbon weaving was before i just went fuck it i don't care i don't care anymore <laughs> do you want pictures of what it looks like sure yeah please okay please send I can, to me. yeah
1: like two seconds okay so this is what it looks like
0: oh okay so he's actually making the ribbons themselves
1: yeah so if you look at the like back of this ribbon
0: mm-hmm.
1: he's weaving in all those flowers and things you can kind of see the woven part jesus right Christ. there yes yeah so yeah anyway Well, my hobbies are weird, but useful in this one case.
0: (laughs) No, I appreciate it. That's what he did. He was a ribbon weaver uh, after he had been emancipated as a serf. And he was described by everyone in his village as uh, a very hard worker and an incredibly religious man, which is basically like the two best things that you could be back then. Um, but he was also the one best thing that you could be at any time, which is a fucking hottie baby. Oh shit. I was going to say white, but like hottie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that doesn't hurt. He was a white hottie too.
1: Okay. Okay yeah all right do we have pictures of this hottie
0: we don't even have wood carvings of this motherfucker
1: oh we just have descriptions of like his shoulders were broad
0: Yeah. yeah and you there's there's certain other things too that that kind of prove that uh he had sort of a way with women um he was able to marry the daughter of a very wealthy landowner uh, wow yeah okay and it's Damn. apparently out of love like straight up love
1: whoa okay
0: <laughs> yeah so like his dad is uh this guy that that was able to marry into the family um the 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 grandfather the maternal grandfather so the the guy who is the rich landowner his name is johan <laughs>
1: So, okay so i have to okay. assume
0: that that's why he named five of seven children johan and then one of them johanna <laughs> that makes a lot of sense actually yeah um
1: because his name would not carry any sort of significance societally
0: but johan might yeah well also right. everyone's fucking named johan so everyone level everyone is field.
1: named johan yeah
0: So anyway, side rant over. Johan was the middle child in the Feichte family, uh, and he was born on May 19th, 1762, in a town located between modern-day Germany and Poland. And the best way to describe him was that he was the kind of guy who wanted everyone to know that he was better than you.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a Johan. So,
0: (laughs) yeah, Yeah, exactly. And as much as I hate to admit it, in some ways he was kind of right. Johan was an incredibly smart child and he could memorize anything that he had read or heard and then recite it almost verbatim. Uh, Also, this is at a time where like he's poor, like his mom's family might be rich, but his dad and his family as a whole are not doing super great. Most other children in his position wouldn't even be literate, and he can read and hear things and then memorize them verbatim, which is just, like, astonishing. He should go to Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He should start counting cards. Absolutely. Uh, and while this sounds like the recipe for either the world's best gambler or the perfect nerd or I think Rain both. man. Yeah, yep. exactly. Uh-huh uh he wouldn't
1: a crime show
0: on cbs yes (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, he sounds like the type of guy who'd walk into a room and then things would zoom as they make a metallic noise like yes
1: and you're like i know he was cheating on his wife because of this pool of blood and you're like oh man why didn't i notice the pool of blood damn it damn i know she was
0: cheating on his on her wife wait i wait (laughs) that could be too yeah I know, wh- I, I know how I could tell she was cheating on her wife because the blood spells out, I don't love you anymore on the wall. <laughs> I'm leaving you for Johanna.
1: Yeah, I've been sleeping with Johanna for six months. <laughs> Bye, Brigitte.
0: <laughs> so while that sounds like a recipe for the perfect nerd, uh, he wouldn't actually get a chance to show off his incredible studying skills because school was a luxury that his parents couldn't afford.
1: Much like a fat dripping tray on a base model George Foreman grill.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, okay. At this point in time, if you had kids, the whole point was to make them like help you put food on the table, you know? And if they're not out there making some other fucking money, then why would you even have 12 kids and name them all Johan or George Foreman? (laughs) There's no point. There's literally no point.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Johan Foreman, one
0: through five. (laughs) Y'all need to be out in
1: these fields bringing
0: in this meat or you're going to be the next one on the grill. Ah, damn. I love a meat plant. (laughs) I love a plant that grows meat. Anyway. uh, However, in 1771, at the age of nine, Johan would catch his big break. On a random Sunday morning, a wealthy landowner showed up to church too late to hear the pastor preach but he was really getting into the sermons and he didn't want to miss an episode. So he asked Johan for a recap, and to everyone's surprise, the kid was able to recite the pastor's words verbatim.
1: Whoa. When you said that he showed up too late to hear the pastor speak, I was like, when? Monday? <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah, they're doing it all day, up? Dude.
1: But the ability to like have that level of recall is wild.
0: <clears throat> Absolutely. Especially after just hearing something once and not knowing there's going to be like a test on it. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. The landowner was so impressed that he decided to pull uh, the blind side. You know, that classic move where you convince a poor person to get into your SUV and then you pay for their school?
1: yes yeah. yes the classic yes that classic every day. move
0: of the blind side um yeah. that's also why i'm giving this landowner the nickname sandra von bullock because i couldn't <laughs> figure out how to pronounce their actual name yeah so we've got the good news johan was able to attend a fantastic school where he would receive the best education possible bad news It was at a monastery that promoted having no social life and limited contact with the outside world. And so now you've got a guy who thinks that he's better than everyone, and you've robbed him of the ability to form social skills.
1: Well, and, I mean, being in society really solidifies in your mind that you're not better than other everyone like you need the opportunity for people to be better than you at stuff so that you're just like oh shit i'm just like everybody else but like if you don't have that yeah yikes
0: also especially like he got sent to one of the best schools possible off of like a scholarship that he got for being super smart you know like he, he already has an inflated sense of ego this shit is not helping
1: Yeah, that landowner, like, Hagrid's in and drops him off at sad Hogwarts. So I can understand why he's like, I'm the chosen one. I have the lightning scar. Like, that's where he's at right
0: now. The boy who lived, come to learn. (laughs) The boy who recited. (laughs) Uh, so basically what I'm, what we're trying to say is you've got a fucking super nerd who thinks he's better than everybody. Uh, and now you've got this rich school telling him, Hey, you definitely are better than everybody and he has no social life. So naturally he became interested in philosophy. That's how it happens. I'm not throwing shade. That's the recipe. You take away a social life. You give somebody a sense of importance. They become a philosophy major. Okay. Mm. Yep. Mm. after spending nine years at monk school and one year at the university of henna Johann decided to stop following the religious route and enroll in a philosophy course at leipzig university all on sandra von bullock's dime by the way uh, but unfortunately about three years into his studies Johann's sugar daddy sugar died
1: Oh, no. Did his Fraulein congeniality money run out?
0: (laughs) Fuck, that's good.
1: (laughs) (sighs) Uh.
0: That's for somebody with, like, a basic understanding of German and Sandra Bullock's IMDb. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's a very niche joke. Yeah. It's it's a joke formed by a person who recently watched Miss Congeniality, yeah. but is also trying to learn a smattering of German phrases to travel next year.
0: 70% of our audience was like, what the fuck was that about? But like 30% are like, oh, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> she mispronounced Fräulein. <laughs> Oh, So, forced to start supporting himself for basically the first time ever, Johan dropped out of university and found work tutoring the kids of wealthy landowners. But, this was basically his own personal hell. He was used to being peers with academics and rich folk, and now he's working for them. And because he thinks he's better than everyone, it caused a little bit of friction. Johan had a tendency... ...to get into fights with his employers and couldn't seem to keep a job for more than a year.
1: Where have we heard this before? Every episode? Every
0: single episode. And the longer he worked, the shorter he was able to keep a gig... In fact, his last job was working for a family in Warsaw. He spent the entire spring traveling to the city on foot. And the day he showed up, he and his boss got into a fight the first time they met and he got fired. Jeez. Oh my God. The first time he met somebody, he got into a fight with them and lost a job. That is an intense amount of antisocial behavior.
1: I mean I will say I I remember one time And you and this person are cool now So it was not an indication of things to come But we were at an event one time And you met someone And they said that they didn't like the movie Hereditary And you said <laughs> let's go Parking lot right now <laughs> So okay. I do understand how this could happen But yeah, It's enough. not normal is what I'll say And
0: I still beat that guy's ass I'll do it every time When we go back to Kansas <laughs> City I'm coming for you <laughs> uh but this nomadic period in his life wasn't all bad believe it or not traveling around europe and meeting different academics had actually helped johan's social skills he had met his two best friends a couple of dudes who were also named johan um he had joined the freemasons which satisfied his need to be better than everybody uh and most shockingly he actually met a girl the woman who would eventually become his wife was the niece of a former employer. I guess she really liked the way he screamed at her uncle uh, because <laughs> they fucking <laughs> hit it off. He's oh. he's literally never just like left a job. He always quits in like disgrace or gets fired. So I don't know. I, I that's it. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how you could date somebody who just like really fucked your family over.
1: I don't know. I've also never been. I've never left a job in a dramatic way, and so I am unfamiliar with either the satisfaction or anxiety that that would cause. So. Oh, it's
0: both. I've done that a lot. <laughs> like,
1: I I know. Like I feel like you are well equipped to discuss this. Yeah, um, it's both. It's it so is much.
0: the best thrill. Okay, have you ever have you ever made plans that you didn't want to keep? And then uh, at the last second, you have like a justifiable reason to cancel and you do. And then you can just stay home and you don't have to do anything.
1: Absolutely. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah.
0: Imagine that forever for like forever, for the foreseeable future. Imagine going like, hey, I never have to do this again. Go fuck yourself. It feels (laughs) amazing. Quitting a job is the best feeling in the world. It's like heroin. It's amazing. It fills you with everything. The problem is... Uh, after you do it, then you have to deal with actual life and go get a new job, and that's the part that sucks a lot. So
1: I, I will say the closest I ever came was that I quit my job at Sirletab so that my last day of work would be December 23rd. (laughs) It was like the biggest fuck you ever. And it was just purely me timing it so that they had to go through the Christmas weekend without me and I could have a fun Christmas. That's beautiful. Um, it was pretty great. That was great. But I actually like my job now. So I don't foresee the ability to like really like buy someone a cake that says eat my ass or like yeah. something fun. I think when I eventually quit this job, it's probably going to be like, hey, my podcast finally makes money. So like, what's up? Bye, guys.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. I like my job, too, because part of my job is buying a cake that says eat my fucking ass.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like that get you promoted at your job.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's. You know, it's kind of nice. I, this is the first time I've ever had a job I liked, but I was addicted to quitting jobs for a while. I mean, at my lowest, I was given blowjobs just to quit them halfway through. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Get halfway through and just be like, pay me out my severance, bitch. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I would stop and look at them and be like, eat my ass. And they were like, we didn't agree on that, but okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's such a dumb joke, but I'm very proud of it. <laughs> He should be. Uh, yeah. During this time, he was able to uh, meet a girl, the woman that he would eventually marry. Uh, and of course, her name was Johanna. Johanna?
1: <laughs> Everyone's name is the same. Mm-hmm. Every person we meet is a Johan or a Johanna. This is wild.
0: Yep. And if you want to argue, okay, but Armando, you said everyone goes by their middle name. So it's not weird to date a girl that has the same name as you and your sister. Uh, Well, my response is fuck you because her full name was Johanna Maria. Oh Oh. my God. Uh,
1: This is like rolling up to Texas and being like, how many of y'all have the nickname Buck? All of you? Great. How many <laughs> Bubbas? Most of you? Awesome.
0: Yeah. And how many Trent, Trents? Uh, the rest Trent, of them. Chris. Krip. Dave. Mike. Mark. Johan. Johan. Yeah. <laughs> There's one Maria. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Anyway, just I, all I want to say is like fucking come on, Germany. Can we come up with one goddamn original name, please? Just once. Just one time. <laughs> There's just
1: one person in the middle of it that's like my name's bethany lynn and my mom sells essential oils and they're like what are you doing in berlin
0: <laughs> uh, but perhaps the most important thing that happened to Johann while he was on the road was his introduction to the works of a philosopher by the name of Immanuel kant that's right mm. our boy was a self-obsessed philosophy major who fell in love with Kant so basically any dude on tinder he is so <laughs> insufferable
1: historical fuck boy yes
0: <laughs> yeah I think we did that for another episode where we started the, the term historical fuck boy and I actually um, love it fun
1: fact we at, at that point we started an inst- Instagram of like historical hotties. That's right. And we still have that Instagram <laughs> handle. We have not added anything to it recently, but it it had like old pictures of Jack Parsons and shit on it. Oh my God. Um my and, and I want to say like uh, Lennon, like young Lennon.
0: Uh, I absolutely love Or young
1: Stalin. Sh- it was young Stalin. Yeah, because
0: young Stalin can fucking get it though. <laughs> I have we have done this show for so long and I love it and then we'll of every like so often be reminded of a thing that I've said or done or that we have done collectively as a group and I'm like, oh fuck, that's right. Oh, that's <laughs> That's right. I did ask people to call me Big Bubba Mondizi for a while. <laughs> yeah, I forget about- every so often I get a notification from Big Bubba Cult Podcast and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then I forgot that we did that. Anyway, mm-hmm. sorry. I love this show. Thank you everyone who listens to it. Uh uh okay getting back to the story it's important to remember that we are at the tail end of the age of enlightenment which means that Immanuel kant is like the closest thing that they had to a rock star and we're talking like 65 year old kant too so most of his great works have already dropped the man is a fucking star For decades now, he has put out hit after hit about everything from morals to metaphysics, and Johann is a straight-up fanboy. So much so that in 1791, at the age of 29, Johann decided that tutoring wasn't for him. He was going to travel to Konigsberg and meet the man himself, and surely he would be accepted as Immanuel Kant's peer and earn the dude's respect
1: oh no yeah
0: oh i'm feeling bad for this kant dude <laughs> yeah obviously uh that's not how it went down when kant met johan he found the dude to be insufferable uh <laughs> probably because he was a failed tutor who didn't finish college but still acted like the two of them were on the same level it's uh needless to say that johan was fucking devastated I also, I also just want to take some time here to say, like, it's okay to hate this guy. I do not like Johann uh and so I mean,
1: remember that this is a series on Nazis. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, like,
1: you can hate everybody.
0: You can, yeah, you can hate also pretty much anybody. That's also what the Nazis believed. And I realized that as I was saying it, you can hate Mm. pretty much anybody.
1: That's not good.
0: No. So, in order to impress his hero, Johann decided to stay in Konigsberg for five weeks to write a philosophy piece that would knock Kant's socks off. So, over that summer, he penned his first book titled An Attempt at a Critique of All Revelations. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Here's the thing I am not a smart guy. I did not go to college. I am not well-read. And I only learn things for the sake of doing this podcast. And after we cut, I immediately destroy my brain with alcohol and marijuana. Okay? I, uh, I am not, like, an expert in anything. Also, my interest is purely in storytelling and history. So I'm going to do my best to sum up a few philosophical ideas. But uh, I'm sure I'm not getting the the full grasp on them if you know what i mean i spent a week doing research i talked to different philosophy students uh i read as much as i could that's all i'm gonna say what i am sure is that i know the effects that these things had on history Uh, excuse me so please just bear with me also how on brand is it to burp during that thing of just being like i'm not very smart (laughs) i'm not one of these educated yeah (laughs) Okay, so one of the biggest contributions Kant made to philosophy were his ideas on where knowledge comes from. At the time, there were two groups, the empiricists and the rationalists. Empiricists believe that the only way that you can obtain knowledge is through experience. Uh that means like taking measurements, doing experiments, uh, living life, etc. You can experience stuff, and that's how you obtain knowledge. Um, it's also important to uh, to to note that they don't mean, like, personal experience. It can be secondhand if it is, like, verified. You know what I mean? You don't have to touch the fucking plate to know it's hot, but if you, like, hover your hand over it and it produces heat, it's probably fucking hot. Yeah. On the other side were the rationalists who believe that the only real knowledge came from reason. So, basically, you know two plus two is four because fucking math exists, You don't need to physically put two items next to two items. It's always going to equal four. Unless you're like fucking Terrence Howard or whatever, who believes that one times one equals two.
1: Oh, that's right. I forgot he has his own math. Yeah. (laughs) I... I that's one of those things that every once in a while someone brings up Terrence Howard and in my brain I just go, he has his own math, but then I never talk about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's bullshit, crazy, insane stuff where he I looked into it once and he's basically like one times one uh can't equal one because the square root of four is two, but then what's the square root of two? It can't just be two, and so it's gotta be one. So one times one equals two yeah
1: i think he's under he's misunderstanding square roots but again i i i not math good i i me not number so i like i really i know he's wrong but i can't tell him why oh
0: yeah yeah i i have no idea i got i'm not a smart guy i burp in the middle of sentences all right i know my role (laughs) anyway so you have these two different sides you have the empiricists and you have the terrence howards aka the rationalists. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. but Kant showed up on the scene with a third path. Kant stated that there are concepts that you can't learn through an experience and that you also can't logically learn through reasoning. And the best example of one of these concepts, uh, is the idea of space or distance between things. Imagine trying to explain to somebody how you learned the concept of space, You could say, like, I realized I'm here and that thing is over there. But by even defining something as here or there, then you would have... Is the concept of distance. And you've already established that you know it. Exactly. So according to Kant, that means that space isn't something that you can learn from experience since you need it to experience things. Similarly, you can't sit down and rationalize space because everything you've ever experienced is based around it. So... Because of this, he theorized that all living beings are born with a few concepts built into their brains. It's like a condition of life. And that's your stuff like space, time, and numbers. They just exist. You experience them. They're the way of the world. That's how you see the world. Here's where it starts to get super complicated. Uh, Because all humans experience the world through the lens of space, time, and numbers, um, right. Then we can never truly experience what the world is like when those things are not there, which means that the whole world is split into two sides. We have the phenomenal world, uh, which is everything that we can experience. And then you have the nominal world, which is everything that we can't experience. And that's stuff like God and the human soul and stuff like that, like stuff that needs to exist absent from time, space etc it's more conceptual okay can't be experienced um this is an extremely oversimplified version of Kant's ideas on knowledge and metaphysics uh and it is the key to understanding his ideas on ethics and morality but how does this play into our story well right Johann is a huge Kant head and his piece an attempt at a critique of all revelations Basically, uses Kant's views on morality and metaphysics to look at religion.
1: Interesting. But Kant
0: thought he was a real Kant hole. Yeah. So he was
1: like, no, thank you. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. He said, that guy's being a real Kant over there. Yeah. Uh, so Johann argues that revelations, basically ev- anything that proves the existence of God to humans, he's using like the definition, not like the book. Okay. Uh anything that proves the existence of god to humans that breaks the boundary between the phenomenal and nominal worlds because once you experience something it's not nominal you've experienced it but because we can't experience god or rationalize it god then that means that it's a contradiction and miracles revelations etc can't exist because they break that boundary between those two different things
1: Ooh, okay. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is reminding me of a phenomena in movies called diegetic sound, where it's the implication that there are two different types of sound in films. There's the score that we, the audience hear that is not heard by the characters in the story. And then there are sounds and music and talking and everything that is heard by the the characters in the story. And never the twain shall meet. But there are some films that choose to break the wall between the two of those where the sounds and things that we, the audience hear, which as an audience, we are intangible to the characters in the film, but when the sound that we hear breaks into their world, it's this kind of odd transference that shouldn't exist. Yeah. But it does. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yes. That's a, that's a great way to sum it up. Also, uh, I just remembered that I learned a good way to sum up uh, Kant's ideas on metaphysics. Uh, I was watching a YouTube channel called Philosophy Tube uh
1: oh i love philosophy tube yeah that's what i used on our Goethe episode a lot <laughs> yeah
0: yeah they're great uh w- one of the guys on philosophy tube basically explained uh, the concept of like space and stuff like pokemon he says like the whole point of pokemon is collecting pokemon aka knowledge but you can't start a game of pokemon without a starter pokemon which would basically be like the concept of space experience time whatever blah 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 um right so yeah okay cool so we've we're on an understanding of we Kant get it on the we understand basis.
1: it it is frustrating but we are here yeah yes Oh
0: god i hated it that by the way that like four minutes of explanation took me two days of research to understand i believe
1: it i believe it do you know how long i had to sit and try to figure out gerti and Gert? i can't say it gerti and science yeah. like mind-boggling it's
0: not that you can't say it it's that your body is rejecting it
1: my my americanism is rejecting <laughs> is it
0: so in 1791 after spending five weeks working on this book Johann meets up with kant again and tells him dude you have to fucking read this but again kant was not super impressed uh, and probably because he was already working on his own book about how religion fits into his ideas on morals and metaphysics, mm. a book that was undoubtedly similar in tone and also much better because he's the fuck he's Kant. You he really, you, 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 yeah. you're going uh, to hate it. You're going to try to beat him, but you can't. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, I felt, fuck I felt you. Bad, bad coming out. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> oh my god. Johann was devastated again. He had spent the last of his money staying here, and now he had no way to even get home. So, feeling sorry for him, Kant decided to throw the dude a bone. So, he told Johann that he would help him sell the manuscript to his publisher so that Johann could afford the trip back home. He even pulled some strings and got him another tutoring job unfortunately for Kant he didn't realize how hot-headed his number one fan was um back then when you wanted something published you had to run it by the church for censorship and they weren't super jazzed about Johann's ideas that miracles weren't real uh and this is a this is a, a thing that that Kant has run into also um Kant has this idea on morality that it uh, basically morality is like the most logical thing. Um, And I don't want to get into it because I spent, i spent it hurts your brain no i spent a day and a half researching Kant's views on morality and i feel like i finally understand them and then as soon as i understood them i realized that they didn't pertain to the story anymore so i just Mm. wasted all of that time uh oh no but now it's in this brain so that's awesome uh anyway to to be a believer in Kant's morality you have to uh, agree with the idea that everyone is born equal. so everyone who is born into society is born equal, um, meaning there are no people who are born to be king. There was no one born as the son of God or anointed the Son of God. there the popes are not like chosen by God. We are all just equal on a level playing field, and the church was not a huge fan of that so. It's like a thing I- that they've already run into before.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think it's reductive. Um I think it's idealistic but not realistic. Does that make sense?
0: To have everyone well, okay, it's that's where it gets complicated because it's like deeper than realism. I don't it's okay, so like Kant's basic view on morality is that uh when Everything that's ever born is born into what he calls a state of nature. Um, And humans are different because we are, we have reason so we can evolve Mm -hmm. into a state of society. And the difference between those two states of being are the rights that you have. And the way he uses rights Mm. is very interesting. So in nature uh, he says, everyone has the right to do everything including murder because it's nature. So, like, for for example, for example, like, think about a lion and a gazelle. The lion. Yeah, 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 yes. Lion has the right to murder. Lion's got to eat. But at the same time, right. the gazelle has the right to not want to be murdered.
1: Right. And if you think of everything on an equal playing field, then anytime we are eating an animal, then that would be murder also. But then that would also be permissible. The only difference is society, which changes the rules that we can't murder each other
0: no so okay sort of this is what i meant where it's just stupid and, Mm. and all over the place so he says that when we transcend into society we give up certain rights to gain more rights uh because if everyone has the right to do anything then no one actually has rights at all because right you,
1: y- because anyone could supersede somebody else's exactly. rights. exactly and there is no morality
0: okay. there is no right or wrong because no one has rights it's all a free for all whatever happens happens but in a society right. we say uh i am not going to murder anybody and society goes okay cool nobody should murder you and so okay. you gain the right to not be murdered by giving up the right Giving up the to right murder. to murder yeah okay so a lot of shit has to has to mean that we all have equal rights in terms of uh like no one is better than anybody not in like a not in like a communist way but like as a philosophical like experiment. a cosmic philosophical
1: yeah. way okay that makes sense yeah from from a i would say economic and like grounded in reality standpoint this falls apart, but as a thought experiment on a cosmic level, yes, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Again, he's like the whole purpose of this is he's trying to like ground morality and logic, which is a complex thing to do. Like he states, for example, that like the logical thing to do is to tell the truth because only if, okay, he basically says like, if you lie, you're saying everyone should lie. And if everyone lied, society would fall apart because no one would believe anybody language would be meaningless and everything would go into chaos. So the only logical thing to sustain society is to tell the truth. And because of that, that means that truth is logical because truth can always exist, even if there's no lies, but lies can't exist because there is no truth. So by that thought process, logic logically speaking, truth is the right thing to do. He's basically trying to say it's logical to be a good person um but he's also the guy who said that if you had to choose between lying and letting a thousand people die you should never lie because it's wrong to lie like it's you know it's complicated and doesn't make a ton of sense okay we have gotten too far into it and i'm, I'm sorry Yeah,
1: no let's, let's no that's all right it's all good
0: so anyway kant helped Johann sell his book to a publisher The publisher received feedback from the church that was like, hey, you need to make these revisions or censor these things. Uh, The publisher then relayed that to Johan and Johan was basically like, fuck you on principle. Uh, I'm not changing shit. Uh, And so the publisher basically realized that he had bought a giant stack of unsellable papers because the author was such a dickhead.
1: This is like Charles Manson's record label, essentially.
0: Uh, Unlike Charles Manson's record label, the publisher came up with a brilliant idea. In order to get some return on his investment, he decided to just print the book anonymously. Um, And this is where Johan catches his second big break. Because like I said, he is a huge fan of Kant. So much so that his entire style of writing was identical to Immanuel Kant's. Secondly, it uses the basis of Kant's work to build a new outlook on religion at a time where, like I said, people are waiting for Kant to drop his own book on religion. So big fucking surprise. Everyone thought the book was written by Immanuel Kant. Oh, and it's not. How did Kant feel about that? Well, um, not super jazzed. But yeah, mm-hmm. over the next seven years, the book's popularity skyrocketed because everyone thought, dude, this has to be Kant. Uh, and after Kant made a public statement that Johann was the true author, and he did say some kind words about Johan at the time where he was like, uh, it's not my book. It was written by that guy. And he makes some good points. That's basically what he said. Right. Like he was very cordial. Um, so after he puts out that statement, Johann Feikta sky skyrockets into fame. I mean, he just blows up overnight, and the opportunities start rolling in. In 1794, he was even offered a position as the—and this is the real job title—the extraordinary professor of philosophy. Uh, okay, Mister Megorium's Wonder Emporium. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, he was. He was offered the extraordinary professor at philosophy job at his alma mater, the University of Henna, a school which, remember, he did not get to graduate from.
1: That's correct, yes. Mm-hmm. Which
0: is basically like the best thing to ever happen to a guy who thinks that he is better than everyone. Yeah, it's the ultimate fuck yeah. you. Uh, by all accounts, Johann was an outstanding professor. He was passionate, he was uncompromising, and he was incredibly earnest. However, he was still a fucking nightmare to be around. Uh, And as we have learned time and time again on this show, the professor game is mostly about politics. After spending five years as a teacher at the University of Henna, his colleagues accused him of being the worst thing that they could think of an atheist oh shit Mm -hmm. even if he wasn't which by the way he probably was no one really liked him and everyone was kind of happy to watch him go uh and that's where he really started to take a turn towards being a bitter old fuck
1: wait now he's bitter
0: yeah i mean (laughs) (laughs) he has been bad this entire time but this is where things just take like a sharp turn into way worse oh no the end of Johann Fichte's story is actually kind of sad. He was an incredibly smart person who did a lot to move the field of philosophy forward. However, his personality really stopped him from reaching the success he'd so desperately craved. At 32, he had achieved fame and a prestigious teaching position. Six years later, he was run out of most German states because he was accused of being an atheist. And to make matters worse, there was something else going on, making life really shitty for Germans in the year 1800. Turns out there was another hot-headed little guy who thought that he was better than everyone else. A man by the name of Napoleon Bonaparte. Yay! (laughs) Filthy French piece of shit. Motherfucker! (laughs) Baguette-eating butter-snorting bastards. I'm going to just say it now. This is where I had a hard time turning against Johan, but I still am not a fan of this guy, but this one made it real hard. Um, not only was Johan forced to avoid the atheism accusations, but now he had to move anytime the French army came and fucked his shit up. Uh, and it was around this time that Johan started to make a departure from his hero, Immanuel Kant. Kant practiced what, uh, what he called critical philosophy. He wasn't concerned with making doctrines or providing the guide to living a good life. Like you said, a lot of his stuff works sort of uh, theoretically, but doesn't really work when you put it in practice. Mm-hmm. That's because he was interested in understanding the concept of what good is. He wasn't telling you this is how to live. He was saying, why good? you yeah, know what is good what is good what good is yeah basically kant would walk into a room and be like hey yo what's good <laughs> what's with all these books yeah <laughs> Hey, was good uh so yeah uh Johann, on the other hand decided that society could only become good if we started implementing these ideas into practice he was all about action unfortunately his ideas on how society should be run were a teensy bit tainted by his burning fiery hatred for the French. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fucking snail lickers. <laughs>
0: I haven't heard that one I like. It. <laughs> uh, Johann, like most Germans, had been supportive of the French Revolution at the beginning. But as the French started taking over Germany and subjecting them to foreign rule, he quickly flipped sides. It was clear to him that Napoleon intended to make their new subjects fulfill the goals of the French Revolution. So the doctrines and speeches that Johann wrote in the early 1800s focused primarily on returning Germany to its former self. You could say that Johann wanted to make Germany great again. Oh, no. Yep. His, his goal was to, quote, found an empire of spirit and reason to annihilate completely the crude physical force that rules the world. End quote. Reichs. <laughs> Around 1810, Johann's ideas really started to gain traction. For a third time in his life, he had caught a big break. Only this time, he had done it all on his own without help from a wealthy landowner or a disappointed brain daddy. His nationalist beliefs seemed to mirror people's desire to unify Germany and create a strong culture that sits independently from the world. But he would never get to see it happen. In 1814, Johann Feichte contracted typhus and passed away at the age of 51. His legacy is obviously pretty complicated. As we've covered extensively, no one really seemed to like the guy. In fact, the person that Johann liked most was Immanuel Kant, even going so far as to name his son Immanuel Feichte. But Kant could not stand the guy. In one of Immanuel Kant's final statements on Johann, he was quoted as saying, quote, May God protect us from our friends. From our enemies, we can try to protect ourselves. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I think that's the first version of uh God God save me from my friends, but I can handle my enemies. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. There should be a rifle cock at the end of that quote. Oh,
0: absolutely. It's pretty fucking badass. Um so Johan, like I said, he did further psychology, uh, but those ideas were mixed in with the belief that we shouldn't give rights to women or Jews. Uh, he described Jews as, quote, a state within a state, uh, and also said that women's only function was to serve their fathers and husbands. Gross. Yeah. But over a century later, another group of angry Germans would relate hard to all of his ideas, especially the controversial ones. It turns out, they also wanted to unify Germany under a strong nationalist government, and they weren't too keen on the Jews either. So, where do Nazis come from? Literally, I'd say from the late works of Johann Feichte, but philosophically, I'd say they're made of the same thing as all nationalists, a mix of humiliation and a need to feel superior to everyone else. And that is the end of part one of our series on the Nazis. Yay! Fascinating. Oh, it's out of oh your brain now. God, yeah, I can purge it. I you can, can
1: pour purge canned it. tequila on
0: it. Oh, God. I... <sighs> i've been drinking water all day out of this thing Mm -hmm. i'd actually this is a green water bottle that i always have this might i might have to cut this out but uh i drink water from this all the time and i realized on the last three streams i've done from home that people thought i was just drinking a 40 oh
1: geez i mean but also boss shit yeah king shit
0: I also have been drinking from this water a lot. So that just means like I've been to meetings with people and they've seen me drink it. And then they just ask me like, hey, are you drinking a 40?
1: I mean, if I've learned anything from working via Zoom for almost two years at this point, it's that you can do almost anything on Zoom as far as eating Mm -hmm. and drinking goes. And people will not say shit. I have eaten through roughly 90% of the meetings I've been in for the past two years. And Mm -hmm. people haven't said a damn thing about it.
0: Here's a fun fact about our new society. You can drink anything if you put it in a coffee cup. That's true. Mm-hmm. That is no true. one's going no one can stop you. I mean I mean, yeah, they could, but
1: just fuck the them. cat with like a paw in your hand, like, hey. <laughs> hey, let's talk about it.
0: Uh so yes, this is uh the story of a Nazi uh who this cried a river. This <laughs> is
1: the story of a Nazi who cried a river and killed the whole country. Yeah. <laughs> While he he looks looks so sad in photographs (laughs) absolutely love her when she smiles when she's named Johanna Johanna how many Johans a day could live in this family (laughs) (laughs) too much
0: okay yes so we are done Uh, I can finally purge this information from my brain Um, hey if uh, you're looking to support us Uh, This episode is brought to you by uh, Immanuel Kant's State of Nature. Have you ever wanted to live like it's the fucking purge? Well, come on down to the state of nature. Lose your rights and murder whoever you want and then get killed by a lion. Promotional consideration
1: furnished by the Johann Foreman Grill. Do you (laughs) want to catch the fat of philosophy that makes no sense anymore? Try the Johann Foreman Grill.
0: Oh my god. He, there so okay. I one other thing that I wanted to talk about is uh this is how big of a dickhead that that Johann is. Immanuel Kant is highly regarded as one of the hardest uh authors to understand. And from what I've been able to find, there are two main reasons for this. One, he's not particularly a great writer. Uh he's not super awesome at like explaining a lot of his ideas. Um not to say he's bad at it but as far as like authors go there have been and were better authors before and after Immanuel kant uh but two Immanuel kant writes stuff for people who understand philosophy mm. so it's not really supposed to be uh easy for anyone to read if you don't like it the reason that Johann loved that is because he felt like he got to be in this special group for people that were able to understand it and the reason he copied Kant's style was because he was like yeah only real philosophers can understand my shit
1: oh I don't follow traditional storylines because Quentin Tarantino didn't so you know yeah like, he is that
0: guy he's straight he's up guy. this this is not a bit emmanuel kant i'm butchering the quote or i'm paraphrasing here but he described to his classes one time he said uh, there's only one person who can truly understand my writings and even he can't firmly get a grasp on it fun yeah just so fucking you worst. sound
1: like a fucking blast
0: <laughs> yeah i hate this guy i hate him so much uh but we will be back next week um to cover part two of our series on the nazis oh i was doing the plug in the middle of it yeah uh, no we
1: we lost our our tr- trail in a corn maze it's fine
0: absolutely you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast check out all the tiers and rewards that we have there uh you can also support us by listening to sean rooster tea doodle do yeah Go to roosterteeth.com and uh, download the app on your mobile device, your Xbox, your Amazon Fire Stick, your Roku television, uh, all that good stuff. And, uh, and go ahead and watch us. And also watch a bunch of other fun shows. Uh, we mentioned at the top of this episode, Paige is on Funhouse, the podcast with us uh and also was in a video that i believe is coming out in january
1: yeah i well i figured i was like i haven't heard anything about that other thing we taped but i'm guessing it's for the future so oh yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah 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 uh but yeah they've we've got a bunch of other fun videos there i'm on funhouse come check us out do the podcast every week uh the new google trends just dropped that's a lot of fun um, there's other shows there too, like our friends uh, Good Morning from Hell, Black Box Down, Red Web, all that good stuff. Go check that out. Uh, hey, if you want to find me and see how I'm doing <laughs> after reading all this bullshit, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all that good stuff, at Stuff. M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff. Uh, this week, I've got... A bunch of shows Uh, on the 8th. I'm going to be at the Ontario Improv doing the Gateway Show. Roll through. Information on my Instagram. It's there now. Go check it out. Um, And uh, on Friday and Saturday, I will be at the Madhouse Comedy Club in San Diego, California. Doing two shows on both nights. Friday and Saturday. Come check it out. Information on my Instagram. Again, it's at Mondo Does Stuff. Thank you. Goodbye. Mwah. Hey
1: everybody. It's your girl. I'm I'm here every week. Uh if you want to try and explain no, don't. I don't want to hear more about this philosophy. If you want to send me <laughs> your favorite Christmas cookie recipes, you can send those to at Page wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, If you like the sound of my voice, you could listen to me on Horror Virgin and Romancing the Pod, and then Black Card Rehab will be back (laughs) shortly. Uh, No shows this week, mostly just making Christmas cookies, and I'll post them on Instagram. I love you all. Bye.
0: Hell yeah. Horror Virgin is one of those shows that when I listen to it, it makes me wish I was on it. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's such a
0: good show and that is saying a lot and Paige understands what that means because i don't have time i don't have time to do another podcast not at all but it's so good it makes my brain go but what if i did though that
1: that's there are a few podcasts i listen to like that and one of them is it's like behind the bastards and then also black box Mm. down but black box down would just be me sitting there being like how many people died and that'd be the whole show so
0: (laughs) Oh, I absolutely love it. Uh, yeah, go check out Horror Virgin, uh, Romancing the Pod, Black Card Rehab. All of those are great, but Horror Virgin is one of my favorite shows. Love it to death. Um, if you want to find us on Instagram, you can at Colt Podcast
1: or at Colt Podcast Show on Twitter.
0: You can also send us an email to Show at gmail.com.
1: And if you want to send us Christmas cookies, Ooh. I mean get started now, because like they don't stay good forever. But you could send those to <laughs> 3756 West Avenue 40 Sweet K number 237. Like the Shining. the Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. And I think for this one, I'm gonna say don't drink the fat drippings out of a Johan Foreman grill. <laughs> Forbidden syrup. Uh, Oh. And don't drink the Kool Aid. Bye. Bye. (laughs)